When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 193. And if you want to listen to this episode as well as previous episodes, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice five-star rating and review. A quick note, I believe it is for both Apple and Spotify as well. There's a new function on there where you can click to say automatically download this podcast in each feed for us we would really appreciate it if you hit yes and uh, if you're on an iphone make that bar green make it automatic so that'll prevent you from missing anything and uh knowing that apple Podcasts has has had some uh, changes recently uh, that'll hopefully mitigate the changes and everything, and we can get back on track. So as always, do so. We always appreciate it. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, although uh, not exactly the best performance, and I think that is uh, putting it lightly. So first, let me bring in here Sam Lepresi. Hello, Sam. Yeah, that was just bad. <laughs> like, I was not I was not happy with that. No. How could you be happy? I wasn't happy. Chucks. No. I'm guessing you weren't happy, even though you're a usual uh, upbeat kind of person. Uh, no, I was not happy about that performance. Oh, wow. But uh, one thing I was happy about was that I uh, I just finished watching uh, probably the most enjoyable show I've watched this year, really. And uh, yeah, this calendar year. If anybody has uh, got some time to burn, check out the the Devil's Plan on Netflix. Oh. Um, the only thing bad about the show is the name. It's very misleading, but um, it's uh, it's this South Korean game show, and it's so, so interesting. It's just fascinating. Uh, the games they play are just the highest intellectual caliber games, and uh, it is so much fun. It's just, I couldn't recommend it anymore. So uh, check out The Devil's Plan on Netflix, which was a lot funner than you base performance <laughs> before we get into the takeaways you know when you were uh, doing the the quick build up to that i thought you were going to go and i want you to watch a, a show i think you guys might like it it's called the sopranos yeah <laughs> 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 well, no. no i've watched that gosh wasn't that twice <laughs> yeah. yeah i think oh, I've, i think i've lost count of how many no, you, you know that's funny on that note 
I had a Christmas party uh, yesterday with um, some, you know, some people I work with, or sorry, it was Thursday, which is kind of kind of inconvenient. But anyway, um, and uh, the husband of one of the people I worked with, he worked in waste management. I was like, oh, he was a waste management <laughs> consultant. Was he with Barone uh, Sanitation? Yes, he was. <laughs> no, but he did. He did talk about how like. Because of the Sopranos, people look at him weird when he tells uh, when he tells people what they what he does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you don't. Uh, in this neck of the woods, you don't mess with people in garbage trucks because yes. you never know. Yeah, yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a stereotype, and it's offensive. It's, but I digress. But yeah, if you if I mean it's it is funny though that I I, re- I read recently that David Chase was once contacted by the FBI yes. and told that on what in actual mafia wiretaps, the mafia was like <laughs> panicking that there was somebody telling him what was going on, what went on in the mafia because it was that real. Yep. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. On that note, uh, Chuck's your takeaway from, uh, as we've already alluded to a not very good Juventus performance. Yeah, that's a, I know that was the smoothest transition. No, we didn't make it I easy tried. for you there, but that's uh that's all right. Because uh, the, the game the, we played the on belongs uh, in the waste, ma- in waste management. It does. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and indeed, indeed. And uh, the game we played yesterday was not smooth. So there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, my takeaway really was that, you know, this is kind of a cliche, but uh, I think it very much rings true. But just watching that game, it made me realize that there really are just no easy games. I think at this level of football, I think as fans, we look at the calendar and we, you know, see, um, I mean, just fans, fans of Syria. Anyway, we see, you know, OK, there's Napoli coming up, there's uh, Inter coming up, there's Roma and, you know, all the big guns. And we think, OK, that's that's going to be tough games. And then we see Salernitana or whatever, Genoa or Empoli. And we think, oh, you know, those are easy games. But I just... I, you know, I, I looked at, I look back at our results or at our games uh, from so far this season. And, you know, I just, I can only think of one <laughs> easy game we had, which was the season opener against Udinese, uh, which was obviously a great performance. And Lazio. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that was easy, though. Like, I, I mean, I think it was still a tough game. I, I think we played well, but I, I mean, I'm thinking just like easy games where it was just like, you know, the opponent just, I mean, made it easy for us, you know, or in that sense. And, you know, I can only think of really Udinese who just, I mean, really (laughs) made it easy for us, frankly. Yeah. Other games this season, they were just all like all games, I think really have been challenging. Empoli maybe was a little bit easier, but yeah, it just really made me realize like no matter what opponent we get, and we'll obviously talk about and talk about that in our, uh, in our next episode for the preview um, for the next game coming up, it's just, it's, it's put me kind of on, I don't know, reminded me to kind of to, to stay alert to not yet, yeah, just not assume that any game is going to be easy because on paper, this game was relatively easy. I mean, going away to Genoa, you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I know we've had uh, just a bad history at this stadium, but still on paper, it just looked like, I mean, an easy game. They really haven't done anything this season besides, uh, you know, those two results against, uh, I think, the big victory against Lazio, I think it was, and then the, the win against Roma, and now this. So, yeah, just, you know, this game just reminded me that there really just are no easy games. And, you know, at this level of football, it's just, it'll never be easy. So, you know, you'll never really have a rest, I guess. Sam, what you got? I got... The complete there is a complete lack of a plan B based on on what we saw yesterday. You know, plan A is get a one nil lead and hold on to it and maybe add to it on the counter. But once Genoa tied the game, it was very clear that Juventus has hardly anything in terms of a plan when it comes to trying to score from possession. And when it comes to having to chase a game, uh, you know, chase a result like this, especially against a team that is not as good as them, there was an odd lack of urgency, you know, even at the very end of the game, like in stoppage time, the back three were like kind of lollygagging it with the ball until Chesney kind of just got a back pass and was like, screw this and punted it upfield to to try to get it closer to the to the goal. But there was also, I remember there was at least one point in my where uh, in the game 
where I wrote in my notes, back three content to just pass it amongst themselves for the time being. There was no sense of how to of how to score from that situation. You know, you need a plan B when plan A doesn't work. And this wasn't a situation where, you know, you have held the lead for a while and then, you know, gave it up with a couple minutes to go. We had almost the entire second half to try to get ahead. And the only real opportunities that we had were a massive mistake by the general goalkeeper that Chiesa somehow managed to not convert. And the corner at the very end when Bremer tried to score with his tummy. And between that, there was no... Between those two moments, between Chiesa and that mistake and Bremer almost scoring on that corner, Juventus had two shots. And there is no concept coming from the coaching staff about how to produce a goal from possession. And that's a real problem because there are going to be times against teams like this that we're going to have to. And right now, there's just no idea. Right now, they just don't seem to be any ideas. Yeah, and I think that was the most worrying thing for me out of all this. And since Sergio's not here this, this week, I'll, I'll step in for takeaway, but I will use it. I'll use a Sergio Romero tweet for the takeaway. And uh, it's short and pretty much sums up Juventus's <laughs> Juventus's evening at the Marassi. Just so many sloppy passes, man. Insanity. And uh, <laughs> I think not only Sergio uh, sums it up very well, but uh, producer Couch, his response uh, <laughs> was very apt as well, where it says that people still wonder why we don't play champagne possession-based football. <laughs> and I think for me, you know, especially in the second half, Sam, you mentioned the sense of urgency, and that's something that really kind of jumped out for me. And as you were mentioning that instance of, I can't remember if it was before or after Bremer's potential groin slash tummy scoring opportunity, that the back three were just passing it, you know, rather nonchalantly and without really much vim or vigor to really push it forward. And I'm just sitting there like, and they're watching like what you know looking at the clock is like am, am i thinking there's like much more stoppage time than there is i mean it was it was what you know 90 two minutes into stoppage time yeah. yeah and like that injury the injury to macias you knew that there was going to be at least one more minute but still that means you only have two minutes yeah and it's like it was essentially you know they score three general scores three minutes into the second half okay that's very much the opposite of what we saw against Monza, where all of a sudden in the 92nd minute, you're tied 1-1. Yeah. But you but you look at it, and it's like you expect kind of that sense of urgency, as we've seen so many times from this Juventus team. Like, suddenly it hits them like 75th, 80th minute, where it's like, oh, shit, we need a goal to actually win this game. Whereas against Genoa, it was just like, I don't want to say they kind of expected that goal to arrive, but it was just like, that sense of urgency was just, you're just waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it. And it's like 75th minute, not there, 80th minute, not there, 85th, 90th, 93rd, 94th. And it's just like, guys, you, <laughs> this is important. There was another free kick where they played it short. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say like that. Like in stoppage time. Was, it, was that, that was the one uh, that Chiesa just totally botched, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's just like, oh gosh, I think you can't, pinpoint it to one uh i feel like you can't you know obviously having a plan b is very important and all that but also i mean i feel like in a way and i'm gonna i'm gonna stop rambling here in a minute i promise <laughs> these are larger issues that we've seen with this team for more than just one two three years you know, it's it's the same midfield issues creating chances for the attackers. It's it's the same. I mean, you know, we've we've been talking about Philip Kostic's ineffectiveness pretty much from the get go this season. You know, there are so many different issues with this team that I've said it. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily overlooking the team's issues, but at the same time, it's like you know, this enjoy the winning run while they're winning and all that stuff and. As much as the unbeaten run is still very much a thing, it's at eleven games now. This was this was not a good game by any stretch of the imagination to really say, all right, this team 
this was a step in the right direction or anything close to it. This was this was a step back. This was this was last season's Juventus. Yeah, no, I, was, I mean, obviously, completely agree. I think this game also kind of showed that our reliance on, in terms of attacking creativity, our reliance on, well, of course, Chiesa, but um, also Cambiaso, who I thought a pretty pretty good game actually. But besides those two, I mean, I didn't really see any any attacking, yeah, penetration or any kind of attacking drive from any other any of the other players. And yeah, again, if you really only have two players where you can you can kind of rely on, and even Cambiaso only only in this game and the last game, I think, where he had a good performance as well. He had been kind of on a, I don't want to sound a bad run, but he was kind of stagnant. I mean, he was playing okay, but nothing, you know, not doing anything particularly, you know, just average. Um, so, you know, that's only been recent as well. So really it's, again, it's only Chiesa who we've really had just that attacking drive from. And well, yeah, what happens when you only rely on one player? I mean, it's, it's hit or miss. And even he had, I mean, Kiesa had a decent enough game as well. But, I mean, he can't carry the team by himself, especially when, in general, we have little possession. Although this game, we did have more than, we had 56% uh, ball possession, which is unusual. <laughs> and, and that and that speaks to the, the larger issue as well, where this team, outside of trying to hit you on the counter, it's kind of like, well... If you've got more possession, like this game, I mean, they had over 60% possession in the second half, I believe. It's like, okay, well, if you can't break down a team like Genoa, who are pretty much what you'd expect from a newly promoted team in terms of what they're doing this season and defensively, it's like, you know, if you can't break them down, then there's there's a problem. And obviously, you know, there's a caveat of no Pogba, no Fajoli, but that's been, it's been like that for a couple of months now. So you know that's that's yeah, not this was the great. kind of game that was screaming for one of those two yeah, guys exa- exactly yeah, or yeah, yeah. you know in seasons past this would have been a dibala game yeah this would have been a hundred percent a dibala game and i mean we we've seen it it was what a couple of years ago when juventus played at at marassi and it was like okay i remember it was it was sorry saying it's like okay yeah we we didn't play well but thankfully we got a few moments of magic from a few really good you know great players uh, I believe it was what that was the Ronaldo, DiBala, Douglas Costa. Basically, if you c- oh during the restart, when I was like anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> yeah, it was it was basically them one upping each other in terms of quality of goal, and we were grumpy with the midfield in that season, and that was now almost four years ago. Yeah, it's a rough it's a rough thing to see, and but I I also wonder whether this is also kind of trickling down from. I, like I wonder what the coaching attitude is that causes that kind of a lack of urgency. Because one thing that struck me in Max Allegri's press conference, here's my my weekly Max Allegri criticism. <laughs> he referred to this game as an important point. Important like, in the gonna... sense that one point greater than no point. Yeah, like who? <laughs> but like, like I see that, and I'm like, who is the recently promoted provincial side? And who is not in this scenario? You have like there's nothing other than a failure that this game can be considered as. And I just want to know what kind of attitude that was. You know, it certainly hasn't isn't the kind of Juventus attitude. You know, the old Johnny Agnelli quote. You know, winning isn't everything; it's the only thing that matters. I wonder what kind of of mentality is being, you know, we've talked a lot about the mentality of the team this year and how they've kind of, how, how it looks a lot better than years past, but this game and that quote, that makes me question a lot of, you know, what is, what is coming down from the top that that kind of attitude that we saw in that second half was what it was. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, and this is just personal preference. Uh, I mean, I don't really, I mean, frankly, just to say, frankly, pay attention to Max's words and press conferences. Um, I think he's just a very, uh, I don't know. He's a diplomat, you know, he'll, he very precisely chooses his words and in press conferences to just, I don't know, kind of just get through it and just to, to give people what they, or to give the press what they want. And then he just kind of goes about his day. So I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I guess I just don't really pay attention or put much weight to it. But I mean, yes, in terms of the mentality, 
it was poor and just the urgency, the lack of urgency was poor. Um, it's definitely not due to, um, you, you know, usually these things could be due to fatigue. Well, it's definitely not due to that because we're only playing one game a week. So, it, I mean, certainly cannot be due to, uh, yeah, just general fatigue or just being uh, overworked. Injuries, I mean, injuries have been actually pretty good now. Uh, you know, we've seen Tim Weah come back from injury now, too. In general, I mean... We'll, we'll see how long this Rabio thing lingers, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, of course. That's, that is yeah. the other... That is one of the other takeaways of this game, is that the team did look a little different without Rabio. I think, you know, part of that was, I think, that Fabio Miretti looked really rusty because he hadn't played since before the last international break. And, man, Miretti does have the kind of passing abilities that can replicate the kind of things that Fajoli would bring into the team if he's on and he certainly wasn't yesterday. No, it was it was a rough one for him. It was a really bad game for him. And and Kostic as well. Just I'd kind of been hoping for Samuel Elling Jr. early and in a proper position. <laughs> just because of how bad Kostic was. And that first half he you know he was a part of that big team collapse in midfield. The only guy the only two guys on that goal that I really don't blame are Bremer and Chesney. Is Bremer was, you know, the after all that stuff, Bremer was basically like, all right, I've got two guys coming yeah. at me. I have to go after the ball here. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. Yeah, it's that close in with a one-on-two. You just have to pray that you hit that you stop the ball before it gets before it gets out. And Chesney, you know, I mean, he got his fingertips to that ball, but you know, that it, you talk about a keeper that's been hung out to dry. That was certainly yeah. he, Chesney was certainly one on that goal, but everybody else. Everybody else that was within the vicinity of the ball failed on that in that moment. Yeah. Chucks, continue your point. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry. I kind of lost my train of thought, though. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. I know that, that does happen. I'll, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, take, I'll take the blame for that one, Chucks. I apologize. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, no. Yeah. I was talking about the lack of urgency and uh, yeah, injuries, injuries. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we haven't had too many injuries, so, you know, that's good. And I'm just trying to think of like possible excuses. Um, here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lay out all of the excuses. <laughs> and there aren't any. No, no, really. I mean, there aren't, there aren't many besides just this was just happened to be just one bad game. And I mean, in fairness, we've had. Run of the goal we did score was games. because we we feasted on another one of their mistakes and got the penalty. Yeah. 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 You know, our two biggest chances out of open play came off of huge mistakes in passing from the back from Genoa. And then, this, you know, the corner kick, which was um, and, and we also uh, I, I will say we got we got majorly shafted by VAR this week. No, oh, I'm not God. using that as an excuse, but we got majorly no. shafted by VAR this week. Like there was. At least one, maybe two penalties and the red card on Malinovsky. All of those should have gone to. It's getting to the point where it's like, yeah, I know everybody, you know, fans of every club does it with screenshots on Twitter and everybody, you know, goes crazy about it. But it feels like at least every week now, there's at least one or two instances where it's like, just go to VAR. Just look at it. Yeah. It. It's not going to hurt to look at it. Yeah. I'd rather a referee, or I guess in this case, the entire refereeing crew, because now you've I think got Michael the... Fabry was taking a nap in the booth. <laughs> but it's just like, it, it's not going to hurt you at the very end. We we don't know what the protocol, I, I mean, who knows at this point what the protocol for VAR calls are. It, it just, it feels like 
they're just not using the technology to its capability, its maximum capability. And then yeah. when they do decide to look at it, it's it's you know a, a, a moist keen half of his heel, half of his yeah. heel is offsides. <laughs> so that's why the goal is chalked off. I mean, it's just the the what determines what should be looked at and what isn't these days are just ridiculous. And just I mean, from a refereeing point of view, I mean, Chef's kiss where that Malinowski tackle on Yildiz was not a red card because that was just a, a cherry on top for just an, a pretty and sorry to keep cursing uh couch, but it, it really was the perfect end to just a, a, a terrible, I mean, just overall, you know, there, there are calls. I mean, it, there are a couple of calls where Weston McKinney got the ball, uh, you know, tackle had a, a couple of sliding tackles, knocked the ball off the, off the general player. And they rolled as a, as a throw in for Genoa when it should have been a throw into event. It just, just feel there's like one it was where a he was, very, there's one where he got all ball and he got booked for it. Yeah. Like, it's just a very poor overall game from not only the, the, the referee crew on the field, but the, those in the bar room as well. Just, and again, I, I am like you, Sam, what you said a couple, the, the refereeing as bad as it was, was not the sole reason why Juventus dropped. No. Points. No, it was the reason that we weren't able to get all three points, even though we weren't playing, you know, even though we were playing terribly, you know, but that's that ultimately that is, I think the biggest takeaway from, from this game overall is champions win games like this champions win the games against the bad teams when they're not playing at their best but they still find a way to win you during the streak. How many games did we have like this? We're playing like garbage. Uh, you know, the, the very first Allegri jacket spike, where I remember we were playing like garbage against Empoli and we were like one nil down. And, you know, eventually we, we scored three really scrappy, ugly goals and won the game. But this was the kind of game that we would still win back during the streak. And, you know, it's the kind of game that teams like enter, win right now when they're playing like garbage but all of a sudden Lartin, uh Lartinez Lautaro Martinez <laughs> yeah um, I mean I mean you're not wrong calling him Lartinez yeah, yeah. uh he starts you know just just comes out of nowhere with something and they get and they get three points out of it it's the kind of game that Napoli won last year a lot and you know you have to you have to win these games we were talking before about just this little run before the Roma game being a couple of weaker sides that you could really build up his head of steam. And to start that run with a game like this is just not great. Yeah, I, I will, um, not to take us too far off topic, but you mentioned earlier, Philip Kostic and just, uh, Sammy mentioned uh, Kostic and just, you know, being a little disappointed in his performance. I will give him some slack um, because, you know, just looking at Genoa's attacks, and again, their average player positions, they attract attacked 43% down their right side. So that's close to each side. Um, and in terms of their player positions, their right wing back, Stefano Sabelli, was aggressively high up the field. I mean, he was their furthest forward player of the entire team, uh, of the entire Genoa team. So they were really, really hammering that right side and really forcing Kostic, just forcing him back. I mean, especially the second half, too. Of course, that's when they you know, really caught that momentum. So, uh, I mean, you know, I cut him a little bit of slack there just just because he had to, uh, you know, do a lot of defensive work and just being targeted so much down that right side well, or down I, his side, his left side. I, I guess I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here, Chucks. Do you, I know you've got the stats up, but I don't want you to look at it. Do you remember what Philip Kostic's crossing numbers against Genoa were? Uh, I don't remember too many, honestly. Okay, he um, he attempted seven crosses. Oh, really? He did not land a single one. Oh man! As we as we have discussed many a times, when it comes to Philip Kostic, if you and uh, this is total with the total caveat of he works hard defensively, he's got a high work rate, all that stuff. When Philip Kostic is not doing what Philip Kostic is, <laughs> I would assume His on the field at. most to do. When those crosses are not landing their targets, and I understand, you know, it's not like anybody really had a very good game crossing the ball for Juventus. 
when he's not except Chiesa. Yeah. It, unfortunately, the last cross he needed to put in, he had just a, a touch that reminded me of myself. Uh, <laughs> when he's crossing the ball ineffectively, and then you combine with the kind of game that Fabio Moretti was having, that left side of the midfield, oof, you're you're not you're yeah. just not getting much there. And uh, I don't know if that might cause Chiesa to drift even more out wide, but or out wide more often, I should say. But yeah, it was that 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 Moretti Kostic combo were uh, Chucks. It was it was tough, tough watch. It was indeed, and and just you know, on Moretti continuing that discussion, I think that was really he was really the player that we needed, like a good attacking performance from uh, in that game uh, to unlock it, in general. Just just simply knowing who he was coming into the lineup for, right? <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. The, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he was really the player. Like, you know, once you just look at like just the general balance of the squad, obviously at the defenders, he's up top. He's obviously you know bringing the heat. Um, Cambiaso had a strong performance again. Uh, again, I mean, we talked about Kostic in the midfield. It, it I mean, it had to be Mietti. McKenney's not going to give you that. And Locatelli's going to you know spread the ball from from deep. But Mietti really had to be that player who you know delivered that attacking. That attack, that attacking, yeah, penetration from the middle and just creativity or just some kind of like, you know, attacking intent. And yeah, he just, you know, the game kind of passed him by. I think the commentator said something that, um, you know, they were talking or the commentators, pardon, uh, they were talking about Miretti. And I think they said something along the lines of the game was like too physical for him. And, you know, it was just too scrappy. And um, a player like Rabio can handle that type of game more because i mean Rabio is you know quite a big guy actually and you know i uh, remember noting that a few weeks ago like being surprised I'm like oh yeah i never noticed how how physical uh physically large he is um but yeah it, the game just passed it by and and yeah that was one of the possible justifications for it uh for that happening just physicality and scrappiness of the game just didn't suit a player like Nietzsche. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate because this was this was really a game where we needed him to step up. I think that would have solved a lot of the problems in midfield of just that lack of well, lack of creativity, lack of penetration, just lack of ideas uh, in general. But I mean, he he had just uh, just looking at the stats now, he, he had only eighteen passes, one eight, uh, which is I mean by far the lowest. Or no, pardon me, it's Flavovich at ten, and then the subs. But I mean, I don't. Disregard the subs right now, but yeah, just very, very low pass count indeed. And, you know, it just, yeah, the game passed them by. Well, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll float this out there since I mentioned it in my post game thread. Um, obviously, this is the kind of game, like I said at the top of the top of the show, that kind of reminded me, and I'm sure you guys as well, of, uh, especially last year when Juventus dropped points many a time to clubs like Genoa who are, in the bottom half of the table. And I mentioned that, you know, this is, this is certainly the kind of game for the detractors to say, well, this is why, this is why Juventus aren't serious contenders and all that. And while I still have my doubts about the long-term challenge that Juventus can give a team like Inter who are, who are playing uh, pretty well and on a consistent basis these days, do we feel like this is the performance and we'll get a little spicy here before we get to a, a social media question or two. Do we feel like this is the kind of game that makes you take pause in terms of uh, not only Juventus as a challenge title challenge, but also kind of go like, okay, this is maybe uh, a reminder that Juventus could be punching above their weight a little bit right now in terms of where they are on the table, because I'll, I'll admit it, the, the, the wins and the points and uh, being so close to a team like Inter who at this point feel like the overwhelming favorite to win the title. You know, I I've been blinded a little bit by it. So uh, what say you gentlemen? I hope that question made sense. I don't think that we're punching above our weight as a top four team, but we were definitely punching our weight as a, above our weight in regards to talk about a potential title. Yeah. That that's that's more of what I meant rather than Yeah. rather cuz I mean as we know, I mean the the as we've seen play out the bit you know th from third place to eighth place it's kind of chaotic right now in, in yeah. Serie But I I never was you know I was enjoying being that close. 
but I wasn't counting on it staying that way. I thought that, you know, there would be games like this where, you know, the one nil, the Corto Muso would fail. And, you know, we didn't get lucky this time like we did with Monza or, you know, like we did in the Napoli game where Napoli just wasn't converting their chances. I do think that barring a, a, a spectacular Pazza Inter moment later in the season, I, I think that the title is not something to realistically think about. But I think that we'll be relatively comfortable staying in the top four. But that that's kind of our ceiling right now. Yeah, I think that word, that last word you use is, is really the, the crucial one. Uh, the fact that this was our ceiling. You know, I think this game showed us that indeed this this kind of is our ceiling. Um, that second place, kind of second, third place spot is probably our limit. I think for me, the title was always a, a very long shot in, this, in the sense that it would like everything really would have to be in place all the time, like fall in place nicely all the time for us to really win or even, you know, compete for the title. Um, just because Inter are really, uh, I think Inter are a very complete team, as much as I hate to say it. They are as solid as us defensively, but then just attacking wise, they're just, you know, that's really to me the difference. And guess what? They've also got a pretty good midfield, which Juventus <laughs> doesn't necessarily have these days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remarkably, because it's, I mean, relatively, I mean, okay, I don't want to say average players, but I mean, obviously, Barella is, you know, fantastic, even though he's utterly obnoxious. I find him just absolutely unbearable. <laughs> but um, his, his facial expressions all the time. You're not the only one, don't worry. Oh, my God. It's just absolutely unbearable. It's just his his expressions all the time. It's just over the top expressions. Oh, just, Inzaghi too, by the way, just oh, just absolutely gets at me. But anyway, brilliant players and coaches, respectively. But yeah, besides Barella, I mean, you look at like Mikitari and Chalanoglu, you know, it's like, I mean, obviously good players. Chalanoglu, but... especially his late career transition uh, yeah. from essentially, you know, what, number 10, four or five years ago, or hell, even a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. To now at Inter being more of a, essentially what we ho- all hopes Manuel Locatelli would be. Right. It really is. It's remarkable. I mean, it, it's crazy to watch him compared to his early years at, at his previous clubs, where it's just, you know, to think a player who used to play that high up the field is now essentially being the one who, who, who Inter was like, okay, Brozovic, see ya. Uh, you know, that, yeah, there's, there's a reason why they, they told Brozovic to, to head to Saudi. So, other than the money, but you know, it's. Yeah, yeah. And just what. Seemingly was a relatively average player. I mean, Charlton Ugly, you know, just again, no disrespect to him, but I mean, no. He was always, you know. he was always, he was always good for a flash, but he was never like consistent over a full game. Yeah. Yeah. And now he very much is in this new position. Shows great coaching from Inzaghi. I mean, to, you know, at the end of the day, being able to maximize your resources, so your players, and get the best out of your players is a sign of great coaching. Um, so, you know, I again, also I that, to, that, 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 that Mar- Marcus Turam signing is looking better and yeah, better yeah. by the month on a free of all things. Yes. On a free. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was pretty well known that he was going to be out of contract. I feel like yeah. not that like, oh, you, they should have gotten him, but say know. it, say it. I know you want to say it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can't, <laughs> I'm not going to be armchair uh, quarterback like that. Had, so then we could have yeah. had George way as kid and, uh, Lillian Turam's kid on the same team. That would have been great. <laughs> hey, there's there's yeah. still a Turam out there that Juventus has been linked to. So yeah, although it'll it'll cost a lot more. <laughs> I mean, I guess before we move on to Twitter questions, just you know, speaking of Charlotte Ugly and just his career transition, as he said, that makes me think of someone like Kostic, who's, you know, a bit of a decline now. And I mean he's 32 or something, which is, you know, kind of reaching the end of his career or kind of the you know twilight of his career makes me think that maybe he should you know consider kind of a transition or positional change to i mean i would say probably a left left back so further down the field rather than further up the field because again i mean all i hate to say all he has is crosses but you know basically it's just crosses are bust for him so i mean if possible 
I would say, I mean, that would maybe kind of revitalize his career if he maybe transitioned to kind of further back on the field and and improved his defensive game. I mean, not that he's bad defensively, but really focused on defense first and became more of a full fullback well, rather I'll, than a wingback. I'll jump in here with the with the one liner before Sam, knowing who it's a reference to. Uh, you could argue that he already plays left back a good amount of time with how deep a leg replays. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, that's true. So then, yeah, just kind of improving his, uh, yeah, defensive game maybe, and just focusing on that. Being the Serbian Quadrado is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe to give a second lease to his uh, new lease to his career. I mean, who knows? Who knows? All right. Maybe well, we could play with a couple of wingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, change formation. That, that's that's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. Well. uh, we will get a social media uh, question here from Instagram. That's why I say it's social media question uh, from Mr. Prezrez, Jordan Torrance. A question for the pod with Kenan Yildiz reportedly restless slash frustrated in terms of his playing time and Tim Way returning. Who would you bench to make way for either player? Frankly, I would, uh, in terms of way, I'd bench Costage. Yeah. And, yeah. and have Cambiasso play on the left side and 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 give way of the right side back yeah yield it's i mean the fact that moisa kane isn't going to play until the new year kind of works in the team's favor in terms of giving him more playing time because he's gonna have they're they're gonna need it now uh up top i would have certainly put him in earlier than he went in yesterday because here dude three minutes plus stoppage time go make an impact <laughs> Like, um, it, it just it it was it was just so ridiculous. Or it's like here, yeah. pull, try and pull a, a rabbit out of your hat, okay? Yeah. I know you haven't played uh, free Juventus outside of a few next gen appearances, basically all season. But uh, go do the thing, kid. I do wonder would would Max Allegri have brought Moise Keen on earlier, or was it just Max being stupid with his subs yesterday? Well, I I, I don't know because it might have been just a. a a fit issue because everyone was everywhere yeah. yesterday, you know, with, with Illing playing and in the midfield for most of the time that he was on the field, which was awful. In my opinion, he just didn't look comfortable there at all. He looks so out of place. <laughs> I love the guy, but he just looks so out of place. And then when Yildiz came, came on and he moved out to the left wing, he, Got the ball on the out on the wing, and he immediately looked a lot more. He immediately looked so much more better, so much better and and more threatening. But yeah, for, when it comes to, frankly, I would have maybe pulled Yildiz, uh, pulled Midetti for Yildiz earlier. You know, that's basically where he put him at the end of the day anyway. With you, you know, kind of as a semi metzala that is meant to that is meant to attack more. You know, why not do that earlier, especially considering the fact that Minetti had to come off? Yeah, that, that that's where I would go. But yeah, hopefully, uh, ho- hopefully he'll get some more playing time with with Kane out and uh, won't be quite so restless to maybe test the waters elsewhere at a place that is more willing to give guys like him playing time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I, I 100, 100% agree with, uh, I mean, both both changes, uh, Kostic or Wayan and, you know, putting Cambiasso on the left 
And yeah, indeed, the yield is for Miretti. I thought, I mean, if whatever happens to or um, to Rabio's injury, I mean, we obviously don't know at this point. But yeah, let's say, you know, indeed, maybe even Yildiz is kind of a trequartista or something. Kind of. I was in a group chat and was was being very critical of Allegri and somebody asked, well, what's your 11 then? And I would act, I actually put out a, a 4-2-3-1 with Yildiz in the hole in the in the front four that that's where i think he's probably best at and i would yeah that as some sort of a trequartista maybe in you know if you're going to insist on a three-man back line maybe go three four one two yeah yeah that that's something like that yeah i thought the to maintain as much consistency as possible indeed maybe a three four one two or something something like that i mean that said you know i know that there's the obviously issues with the next gen um and with they the are not play. having a good season. Yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah, oh. and then obviously that's being affected by us, like by the senior team possibly playing next gen players, like you know Hausen and Yulis um, too much. We've definitely been rating them, and guys like Joseph Ngonje, who's basically sitting there as a person who can call himself a midfielder on the bench. All right. Yeah. So that's obviously a little bit problematic there. So I. I mean, obviously, I love seeing young players come through and, you know, play for the senior team. But that said, I mean, I only want them to be, like, involved in the senior team that they're really genuinely going to, like, play substantial minutes or, you know, not, like, last 10 minutes of games, last 15 minutes of games, which is fine, I mean, for experience and all that. But if that comes at the cost of them not being able to play or play a lot for the next gen or just comes at the cost of the next gen team, then I'd rather just say, you know, just keep them in next gen, let them play there. And then, you know, bring them up when they're genuinely going to play when you really, really are going to play them a lot. Yeah. I mean, that that's just kind of the, the unfortunate situation that Juventus is not only financial problems have created, but also just simply roster construction. I mean, you look at it, I mean, Dean Hoyson is just a couple of injuries away from being in the starting lineup. As we've seen with Yildiz, I mean, it it is basically, a, a it's going to take an injury or two for him to even really sniff the field. But because of the rules, they can't, you know, essentially drop down every weekend. After, you know, say Juventus plays on a Friday or Saturday. Hopefully we're done with Fridays for a while. Uh, memo to Serie A. But, you know, if the next gen then plays that next day, they can't suddenly just kick down every weekend and and play there are rules in place that limit the amount of games that technically senior players can play down with the next gen squad and that's basically so that Juve can't take advantage of the system so it, it's just this this balancing act of in terms of how much are you willing to keep them away from the next gen but also put them into the next gen team so that they can stay somewhat sharp both teenagers on the senior squad they played with the next gen team last weekend but that i feel like that was the first time in a, in a, a good amount of weeks that they had played with the next gen team so it's it's just i guess on on one aspect of it it's it's cool to see them with the senior team but at the same time it's just like man this is valuable time that they're just sitting and not playing Kenan Yildiz, since his big international break with Turkey, has played five minutes. I mean, that's that's got to be rough to going from the high of that to like, okay, back to testing patience as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We can't, and we can't let a kid as talented as him start demanding to leave just because he's agitating for more time. No, and and that and like that's you have also- to you have to keep him for that. Yeah, and that that's also the, one of the. I mean, as much as it's been beneficial, I think we can say in terms of Juventus is so Juventus solely focusing on league play this season. Yeah, arguably the biggest downside are players at the back end of the depth chart when you're not playing in Champions League midweek. There's not really much need outside of maybe a few occasions, and obviously once we hit the new year with Coppa Italia. For squad rotation. I mean, there just isn't. You're playing yeah. every six, seven days. Look at Milan and all of their injuries and how much it it how much playing just an absolutely just crushed schedule has has played into it so far. So I mean it's you know, it feels like if Milan gets out of a 
out of a game without an injury, it's like some huge deal. But I mean, in terms of the sheer volume of injuries for Juventus, I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know, we see certain websites posting. It's like, yeah, four Juventus players not called up for X opponent. Well, you've got to remember that two of them, <laughs> two of them are suspended. So technically, suspended. technically it's only two players are injured and the, yeah. you know, the, it's just, yeah, it, it, I guess to circle back to the two teenagers, it's just, it's tough. I mean, it, it really is just, you know, they need them on the senior team for depth purposes because you're not going to go into a game with just basically Daniele Rugani as a backup and that's it. But they're at the age. They're both they're both a, still 18, correct? So it's like they, they got to play. I mean, say what you want it's about. Because if, if Rabio, it, it would, it's a very interesting, not Rabio, Rugani, if, it's a very interesting question as to whether or not if Rugani hadn't played as well as he had during Danilo's injury, whether Hoisin might have been given a shot. Yeah, you know if if Rugani had struggled, but Rugani went in there and <laughs> and was nails when had, he needed to be. Had people talking about a Italy call up after three games. Yeah, you know, just goes to show you, and 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 actually, this is something that we haven't mentioned in this episode. Shows you how far Italy are from the Chiellini and Bonucci days. Is that yeah. Giorgio has called it a career? Yeah, end of an era. <laughs> I expect him to be somewhere in some sort of front office capacity at Juventus soon enough. I mean, he's. <laughs> I mean, he's already, I mean, no surprise. It took him, what, three days to fly back to Italy after the MLS Cup final? Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it, you know. I, he was packed up, ready to go. I mean, <laughs> it feels like it's just a matter of time before there's a post on Juventus's website saying, hey, welcome back, Giorgio. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Slaton, I think, just took a position yeah. at Milan. So. Yep. Yeah, he did. There you go. Well, we'll we'll be waiting for that. Hopefully, we'll be seeing uh, a little bit more of Kenan Yildiz and Dean Hoyson come come these next few weeks, especially in the new year. Seeing as there is Coppa Italia joining the fray in terms of Juventus's participation in the in the tournament, so that is all for the questions this week, or I should say, question because we only got one. But if you do want to send them to us, feel free to do them on Instagram or on Twitter at Juventus Nation. On the Twitter machine, follow the Fans for Sports Network. On Twitter at FansFirstSN, FansFirstSports.com for all the podcasts around the network. Uh, If you do want to follow our episodes, feel free to do so on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and Producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Thank you.